hour number two of the Jose Gonzalez Show starts now. Of the Jose Gonzalez show gets going right about now, and that is eight minutes exactly past the hour of 1 p.m. in Fresno, California. Appreciate you for joining us and appreciate you for listening and tuning in and being a part of the conversation. Current temperature in Fresno, it is currently 63 degrees. The expected high today, 65, with an overnight low of 36 degrees currently in visalia 65 degrees 67 the expected high there in merced excuse me 61 degrees currently in merced 64 the high there and currently in bakersfield 66 degrees 69 the high there 38 the overnight low you can expect rain in the san joaquin valley on monday on tuesday a little bit on Wednesday and maybe Thursday as well. So just a little look ahead for all of you guys there. And as mentioned, Chris Alvarez, ABC7 in San Francisco. He is our conversation of the week, and he will be joining us here shortly. Also, with that being said, after that conversation of the week, we will break down home team headlines. Lakers, they beat the San Antonio Spurs a couple of days ago. I was able to catch back up into that game. I want to talk a little bit about Darvin Ham and uh, his his approach with the Lake Show. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, the Raiders win. And I told you, I want to talk about Antonio Pierce. You'll have the breakdown of the San Francisco 49ers here as well. So again, that is all coming up your way. So that I don't uh, do what I usually do, and that is get backtracked here. Um, uh, by the way, Every weather report brought to you by Leaser Plumbing and Heating, AC Heater Unit Issue. Maintenance and easy to get done. Call our friends at Leaser Plumbing and Heating. All right, with that being said, we'll take a break. We'll be back here. And when we come back, it's our conversation of the week with Mr. Chris Alvarez, ABC7 in San Francisco. You're listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show. 1430 ESPN Fresno, your local sports leader. The Jose Gonzalez Show, Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. and on Friday is beginning at noon. Elvis kind of day, you know? Makes you shake a little bit. All right. As we get, as we get through that comment... 
Chris Alvarez, ABC7 in San Francisco. He uh, and I had a chance to chat on Tuesday. He is our conversation of the week. We talk Niners, a little Golden State, which uh, maybe I have to get him back on to talk about Draymond Green in that situation. Um, but uh, talk to him on Tuesday. Here is that conversation. Um, he joins me live from the Bay Area, and uh, he is also from the area and uh, that is our guy chris alvarez abc7 in san francisco he joins us to talk about the san francisco 49ers and as always we talk a little bit about the golden state warriors and maybe today just today because of the news we might talk a little bit of the san francisco giants he's a do-it-all guy out there at abc7 chris always appreciate your time my man i'm taking my 68 million deferred per year as well everything's good (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we we are going to chat about that. And uh, um, now I do have a pressing question, though, as I ran uh, between um, commercial breaks here to go and grab a cup of coffee. Are you a coffee guy or are you a tea guy? Um, I, neither. I don't oh. drink a lot of those. I've started to get into coffee a little bit, but still not. I don't drink either. So I try to uh, I try to lay off caffeine as much as I can. It's difficult, though, for sure. Okay, so so is there a style of caffeine that uh, Chris Alvarez drinks, or or are you are you uh, keeping it completely clean on that front? Uh, it's hard to keep completely clean. I, I drink a I'll drink a diet coke or diet pepsi every once in a while, but I try to take lay off that. And uh, coffee, I think, is going to be the new thing at, at some point, but okay. I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. I I I have uh, I used to. <laughs> go with like three cups in the morning before like the before noon but it's i'm here from five yeah. in the morning right and, and i go man i need i need to i need to relax on that i i gotta, I gotta stop drinking so much coffee in the morning uh because then i get home and i'm like i'm like wired for a bit and then i have my little bit of a crash um okay i'm i'm a tea guy uh but you know green tea sometimes it, that that's a little bit of, of my front now the most pressing question is i get a lot of flack for this do you like ice cream in the winter? So, like this time of year, are you someone that kind of goes, you know what? I'm I'm really feeling right now. I'm feeling a, a nice cold scoop of ice cream. Yeah, I love ice cream all year. Three sixty five. Let's put some mm. toppings on. Let's make our own McFlurries at home. Yeah, I'm in all. I love ice cream. That's one of my weaknesses for sure. Now you got me. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm yeah, I, I'm me. I'm the one that gets argued with because I'm like that's uh, you know that's a summer thing for me. I don't know what it is, but I can't. I like it. sweet tea, sweet iced tea. I'm not drinking that in the winter. I'm only drinking that in the summer. That makes sense. That makes sense for sure. All right. So the 49ers had a potential, a potential of one of those letdown games against the Seattle Seahawks. It looked like the Seahawks were pressing a little bit more than I um, thought they might. And, well, the 49ers started the game with a run of 70-plus yards to Christian McCaffrey. Um, and bada-boom, you, you thought that they would be emotionally let down, and they immediately come out punching. How big is the Trent Williams-CMC combo? Because it seemed like every time they tried to run off the right side, they found some issues. They didn't get so many big runs. But as soon as they run off that left side, it is like big gain after big gain. Now, bada boom, bada bing. It's not like a Tommy DeVito reference there. That's actually <laughs> a great story he is for the Giants. But um, you're absolutely right. I think going to the left side, you got Trent Williams, an all-timer. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer uh, that still plays football. And it just... Christian McCaffrey, that combination is lethal for the 49ers. Um, and they, it's funny because a lot of teams know it's coming and you just you just can't stop it. And so the Niners got off 
uh, that, that great start where Christian McCaffrey weaves in and out of traffic, almost scores a touchdown on the first play, and you think, okay, they're rolling here. And Seattle did make a nice charge, and they, they stayed in. They're a tough team. They're always going to be tough on the night because of their division opponent, and they have a lot of pride. And they're coached by Pete Carroll, and they got some guys that uh, are, are some playmakers. But the 49ers, just, they are the better team, and they ended up putting them away. Uh, you know, kind of wearing them down the second half for sure. So the left side uh, seems to be the side. Why not go there? Um, and it seems to work quite often. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I think the Niners, uh, everything seems to be going right now, and knock on wood, if, if you're a Niners fan, going your way. And, and now the, the great thing is here with four weeks to go, they control their own destiny on the one thing because the Eagles have faltered here a little bit. So I think that for Niners fans and for the team, is the goal, and, and the question was asked in the post game about you know letdowns and, and trap games, and they have a lot of respect for any opponent they play, as, as any good team does, and they're not going to uh, say a lot on that front. Uh, maybe unless you're Debo Samuel, he just lets it fly, and I appreciate him <laughs> for that. Um, but they know what's ahead of them. They have bigger goals, and they know to get to those goals, they have to stay focused every week and every game an opponent because you slip up. The Eagles are maybe even the Cowboys now are waiting to try and steal that one seed. So their their hope is to get the one seed and, and have the NFC playoffs roll through Levi's and give themselves the best chance to get in Las Vegas. I think that's their singular focus. And you talk about trap games you go in Arizona this week. Mm-hmm. They're obviously clearly better than the Cardinals, but any given Sunday anything can happen. So and they have had trouble in the past with Kyler Murray as far as being an elusive quarterback. Um, but this defense is different. I think this is probably the best team they've had in the Kyle Shanahan era, and wow, it's a big stretch for me to say that, but uh, this team's very, very good. They're ready. They have all the pieces lined up, and now it's just about finishing the job, and they have to do, they just have to focus every week until they get to the point uh, of the playoffs where they need to really execute, and uh, and that's where they're going to be judged ultimately. This team is the Super Bowl team, and, and that, that, that is the end goal, and there is nothing else. Uh, anything else short of that is a, is a failure, I'm sure, in their mind. Now, I do want to go back into uh, kind of what you're talking about there, about them being the best team in the Shanahan era. I, you know, I, I'd, be, I'd be difficult to not agree with you when, when looking back at the 2019 team that ended up, ends up getting to the Super Bowl. I feel a whole lot better, and I think you do the same is why you made the comment as to this team being better it, it, they also seem to be more focused. They seem to be there's a task at hand. And I'll tell you, and I'll be honest, I feel more comfortable at quarterback today than I ever did in 2019, even in that playoff run into 2020. Yeah, I agree. And as, as you were kind of phrasing that question, I was thinking about that 2019 team. And obviously that team was loaded. They had a great uh, team. They got to the Super Bowl, but you can answer this after I get done with this comment, but in any world do you see the Niners in an NFC championship game outside of Brock Purdy not being able to throw the ball, which he couldn't in that Eagles game, only throwing the ball eight times. And I would, even if it's working, it just wouldn't happen. So Jimmy Garoppolo was good for that team. He got them really, really close. And he just wasn't, not just him, but they just weren't able to get over the hump. And maybe Kyle felt he couldn't dial up what he wanted to. But the playbook is completely open with Brock Purdy mm-hmm. right now. Uh, there is no limitation. He has a mastery of the offense at such a young age, and it's only you think about what they can do as they go along. As he gets more season, more snaps, more reps, he's only going to get better. Um, and so the 49ers are rolling. They know how to get the ball to their playmakers in space, and the defense uh, is pretty good, obviously. And so 
I just there's no scenario that I would ever see where the Niners only throw the ball eight times in a game outside of like an injury, as I mentioned. So I think that's the biggest difference is right now because a lot of those core pieces that were in 2019, that 2019 Super Bowl team, are still here. They've added on, obviously. Um, but one of the big ones is, is Brock Purdy versus Jimmy Garoppolo. And the first thing that pops into my mind, Chris, is obviously the throw down the seam to Emmanuel Sanders that isn't made by Jimmy G. A little pressure in his face, but a throw you hope and wish that your quarterback would make in that moment. Again, this isn't more, this isn't me bashing Jimmy G as much as it is me giving credit to Brock Purdy, as you were just saying, at such a young age, me feeling confident enough to say, I think Kyle will draw some big plays for him because he makes the right play. We talk about, in in basketball terminology, Steph Curry, um, LeBron James, these guys that are really big greats, but also in crunch time, they make the right play. They don't go for the big play. They don't go for the me play. They go for the right play. And it seems like Brock Purdy is that kind of quarterback, quarterback like some of the greats. I'm not calling him a great, but he seems to have that mindset of saying, I'm going to make the right play at the right time because I just don't need to do too much. I can do within my means. Yeah, I think it's the whole uh, the theory of you don't need to hit home runs on these plays. You hit enough singles, you get guys on, and you just you keep the line moving. And so I think the Niners do that. They Kyle uh, Shanahan's one of the best play callers, if not the best offensive play caller in football. That's up for debate, I am sure, on all the shows. But uh, the way he layers the game and plans out his drives and sequences, um, him and Brock are in lockstep with that. And look, Brock's going to still make some mistakes. He's, is he going to throw another interception? Yeah, is he potentially going to throw? It, it could all happen. Um, and it has this year. I mean, you've seen last year to this year, I mean, there's going to be mistakes made. I think one of the things with Brock that you have to pay attention to moving forward is he's such a guy about uh, the anticipatory and he anticipates the throws. So that means he's going to throw uh, the ball when the guys are not out of the break. He's expecting guys to be in certain windows and all those things. And sometimes, whether it's a guy trips, they, they run the wrong choice route. I mean, things are going to happen all against tips. I mean, there are going to be some mistakes along the way, but I think in the long term, his, if you want to call it gunslinger mentality, uh, is going to benefit them more often than not, but it does leave some room for mistakes. He's not cautious with the ball. He has a lot of confidence. You saw him in Seattle a couple weeks ago where he threw a pick six, comes back, he plays mistake-free football, throws a complete dagger between four guys. I'm still, still talking about the throw weeks later. Um, but that's the kind of confidence he has in himself, and that's something you gotta you want from your leader, or your quarterback, to have a, a fearlessness and a, a amnesia, I guess, of, on some cases of forget what happened. You can't control it. You got to move on and, and move forward. So I think that's a lot of what they like in Brock too is that he is fearless. He's gonna make a play. He's gonna try. And uh, in, in playoff football, though, you do have to make the right decision. You can't just be reckless throwing the ball around, and so you have to find that balance. And that sometimes can be tough. But I think. Over time, the last couple of years, Brock's proven he knows where that fine line is, and, and more often than not, he's making the right play. We're talking to Chris Alvarez, ABC7 in San Francisco. And so, Chris, I wanted, I wanted to come back to this because this happened um, at the original question, and that is with CMC. The guy that most impressed me on that run, obviously, is what Trent Williams did. 
But the guy who most impressed me and made me go, dang, this is why this team is so damn good. And that was Brandon Ayuk, who was yeah. sprinting down that that line, down that seam, and was blocking the whole way. Noticed that CMC needed another block and sprinted five, five, ten yards to give that block and was the most fired up guy, more than CMC was after the run, um, of pounding his chest and high-fiving everybody. That, to me, is the epitome of Kyle Shanahan's culture with the San Francisco 49ers and what he's been able to build within his wide receivers, which is, hey, it might not be you catching the ball, you might be blocking, but that's just as important to us winning than you catching it. And if we all can abide by that, we're all going to get ours and we're going to be winners at the end of the day. That, to me, was the epitome of the 49ers' culture on that play. You saw the same clip I saw, I'm sure. I ran across my social media. I didn't see that originally. And when I saw that last night, I was like, wow. I mean, that's just uh, – Brandon and I used to talk about um, having that dog in him. And, and I made that – I asked him the question right when we started November. I asked him what's the difference between November and December football. And he goes, like, this is where the big boys, this is where the dogs come out to play. Mm. And Brandon and I in the most positive way, is a dog. I mean, he just – he gives complete effort. And obviously, he's, he's a very good route runner. He's – improved every year as far as the trade of being a wide receiver and a pass catcher, but his blocking skills and his tenacity in the run game uh, really set him apart. And, and the 49ers know, I mean, look, when they draft guys, they talk about guys that fit their, um, what they want in their building. And Brandon, I you Debo, Debo's a tough dude. Those guys are all tough. I mean, wide receivers get often labeled, you know, diva like, and they want the ball and they ask the ball and they're not going to do other things. These guys, if you're a 49er, you're going to be a guy that not only is tough and catches the ball and, and runs the right route, but you are going to block. That is what is asked of you, is what is expected of you. And Brandon Ayuk, on that play, I mean, you talk about effort and tenacity and being selfless. Uh, that's exactly what that play was, and it's a great play. And you're right. I, I Another thing I noticed on that clip, too, is when CMC got up and pointed at him, and then he comes over and he's shaking his, you know, high five. I mean, he was going hard. Like, let's not mm -hmm. hurt McCaffrey's hand. I mean, you're, he was going wild, so <laughs> – uh, and rightfully so, and that just shows the kind of player that Brandon Ayuk is. Um, and he's invaluable to this 49ers team, not only from catching the ball and route running, but, man, he's a good blocker, too, and he gives effort, and that's really all you can ask for if you're uh, part of that coaching staff. We're talking with Chris Alvarez, ABC7 in San Francisco. And uh, so, Chris, as, as we kind of go through this and, and look – I, the culture that the Niners have just brought through is insanity to me because, look, you don't know who's going to be the guy any given day. Now, for my fantasy football lineup, I hope it's Debo Samuel the rest of the way. Uh, but it, it's been <laughs> Debo. It's been CMC. It's been George Kittle. Like, each one of these guys has had their day in the sun um, this season. And that's truly how you keep a culture like this happy is – Hey, it's not going to be you every time, but you're going to get yours this season. And, and it, we've seen that. Now, I want to talk about the defensive side of the football uh, because Fred Warner, um, he is that guy. And that defensive line has shown that, that they have it. Now, how much do you think the difference of having Wilkes on the sideline as opposed to up in the press box has really made? I know they've tried to make it. Um, as though it's it's not much of a big deal, if any big of a deal, that he's come down to the field. But it seems like that defense really vibes and works when the D.C., the defensive coordinator, is standing on the sideline with him. Yeah, it, it hasn't been talked about a lot since the transition is made, but the results 
they show that something is working. And you think about, again, this is a, this is a team defensively that has had that core, a lot of those guys from at least uh, talking about Warner, Greenlaw, Bosa, some of those guys at Armstead that were on that Super Bowl team that are still here. And so when they get used to, I mean, Steve Wilson was the new guy. And so he he kind of knew that coming in. This is an established culture. It's been a defense that has had a lot of success over the last four to five seasons. And so um, whether it was scheme or not being able to talk to the guys face-to-face, whatever it is, it's working. Um, and the 49ers defense, and they've also added piece. I mean, look, they've added Randy Gregory. They've added Chase Young. Uh, their, their secondary is important, you know, Salano Ufunga goes down, Jair Brown has stepped in and looks like he's a, he's a good player so far at a young age. And so um, they have a lot of good players. They have a defense and, and th- those guys are, have a lot of pride. They're also very talented. So I think the, the move down to the field, I'm sure has helped, but it, it, it's become kind of a lost storyline as far as that. It was a big storyline going into it. And now the defense has put up the numbers and getting the pressures on the quarterback and the offense is, even if the defense isn't having their A game, the offense is going to make up for it, seemingly so. So um, I don't think it's been a huge storyline of late, but I understand what you're saying. It, it, the, the numbers bear itself, and so I think everyone just kind of now, as far as the, you know, the media narratives and looking at things moving forward, it's just kind of about can they get the one seed and kind of those type of storylines have taken over that particular storyline. But I, I agree, it's, it's uh, the numbers show that it's, something is working and it has changed. So uh, I think it does play a part for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I don't believe it takes or does anything in terms of the numbers we've seen. I just feel like mm-hmm. the energy that that they right. get off of the DC. I don't know how much it helps, but I, I I see, and and I sometimes have looked at that sideline and gone back and looked at videos, and you can see Wilkes goes in there and gives even offensive players like a pound in the chest, like we got you, we, we're going to do this, or, or and and it's just I, I think a different vibe that brings into it. Now I don't want to let you go before um, we talk about the other two teams in the Bay Area. First, I want to talk about the Golden State Warriors. They've been in rest mode in the last four days. How much benefit do you think that uh, brings the Warriors in a time where it seemed like things weren't f- going their way? It seemed like there was some bad energy in the room. I'm not saying bad in the locker room. I'm just saying it just didn't feel right between the Warriors. Now they take on the Phoenix Suns. How big was that four-game uh, uh, rest period for them? It's got to be big. They're, they're a veteran team. Um and so I think anytime you can get that kind of rest and then in the very minimum too, is just the practice time, a team that's not really been mm-hmm. together a lot with this core and this group and these rotations is getting that valuable practice time and just kind of resetting it. you mentioned in a big game against the Suns tonight, a big game against the Clippers on Thursday, the Warriors don't have, I mean, look, it's early, but at the same time as we've been talking in our sports office, you don't want to fall too far behind where you're really trying and in playoff mode, in like late February, early March, where you're grinding through all these games and you waste a lot of energy just trying to make the playoffs. It's not what the Warriors want to do. And, and now where they're at, they kind of put themselves behind the eight ball. Uh, can they go on a run? Absolutely. But again, as you've seen, there's injuries that are an effective team. So um, just based on age and wear and tear and things happen in games. So I think it was huge, but they really got to go on a nice little run here. And look, it's as simple as stop turning the ball over. They just they're 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 better than this. They're smarter than this. They just have to be less careless with the ball. And hopefully, uh, that was there's a refocus there, and it's been drilled into them 
just just take care of the ball. I mean, look, if you turn the ball over 29 times, that's, that's 29 times you're not just getting a shot off. And so that just can't happen for this team. And so I think they know that. They, they, they're they veteran enough to know what they need to do. And, and they have a tough test against Phoenix tonight. It'll be an interesting game. Um, but they just have to clean up certain things and turnovers. I mean, that's as basic and simple as they can get. We're talking to Chris Alvarez, ABC7 in San Francisco. Now, uh, the Warriors are on the road against Phoenix. They're on a five-game road losing streak is uh, Golden State. Uh, what do you see playing out tonight um, between Golden State and Phoenix? Because this seems like this is going to be one of those that we potentially could see come uh, come playoff time when uh, the NBA gets there in April and May. Yeah, and I think the Warriors got to come out with some urgency. They they uh, that game last month where Chris Paul and Scott Foster and all that came down mm-hmm. and they were getting blown out, and the backups almost came in and won the game. Obviously, they can beat the Suns. It's it's a thing they can do. Um, I just expect them to be a lot more focused and hopefully playing clean basketball. I think that's the biggest thing for them. The other big storyline I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure you've seen this on social media, is how loud is the Suns Arena going to be? Uh, with the techno music and the club, you know, you've definitely seen that Steve Kerr atmosphere. I mean, they made a remake and everything. That place is going to be so loud tonight. Uh, I, I'm excited to see that part of the storyline as well, watching the game on TV. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. I remember watching the whole oh, entire yeah. video of the beat. So much up here, yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't, so you know, funny. you're right. I can't wait to see how that that plays out, how loud it's going to be, the techno music, all of the uh, of the extracurricular that uh, always makes the NBA uh, fun. Now, looking at Major League Baseball, which seems to be no fun in the Bay Area for the last couple of years. <laughs> and, um, well, the San Francisco Giants lose out on another big free agent. I don't know how much they really had a chance at Shohei, especially seeing what you referenced earlier, all of the deferred money that he ended up taking, um, and he defers $680 million. He's going to take $2 million, but the competitive balance tax is still going to be hovering near $50 million, so um, he's still going to count towards that, uh, that year's salary. Now, with that being said, does Farhan Zaidi need to make some sort of splash before the end of the year or at least before February or before the season begins. Let's let's give him all that. Before the season begins, does he need to make a splash? Or if he doesn't, how will Giants fans react? Ah, man, yeah, you got to do something. I mean, the Giants fan base is frustrated. I think they're they're happy in the sense they got Bob Melba. I think they're they're happy with that uh, decision as their manager. But look, at the end of the day, I mean, Bob Melvin, as good as he is, and he's a very good manager, he can't do it by himself. You need the players. And so the Giants, um, as you've seen, they're lacking for sure in the star power and the the the, the box office type items. I mean, look, they, they just they have missed, as you mentioned, on so many free agents, whether it's Bryce Harper, it's Manny Machado, it's Aaron Judge, it's Carlos Correa, whatever, Shohei Otani. Um, it didn't seem to me – and this is the, the vibe I got all the way, that the Giants were really never really in the Shohei Otani uh, experience, and it's possible they were. But, look, I mean, it's just and they, it's what the Dodgers do. They just find different ways. It's the reason they won the pennant or uh, the division so many years in a row, or a lot of it. It's, it's been their division for the last 10-plus years uh, outside of, like, one. Um, and so the Giants, they need those guys. They need, they need some stars. And there are some guys out there that can help their team, whether it's Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger, whether they get Yamamoto, we'll see what happens with that whole thing. But they, they do, I think, just for their own 
fan base and just for themselves, the team, they need to make some moves and they need to get some guys that strike fear into an opponent. And when you look at some of these other teams, whether it's the Braves, the Dodgers, like you're looking, they, they got just offensively dudes up and down the lineup and the Giants have really kind of been lacking in that department. So uh, it, I think the sooner the better uh, to create the buzz that you want having going into the season for the Giants, but they just have to get something done. And they have the money to play with too. And I think it's a frustrating thing for Giants fans. There, there's, there's money there. Um, it needs to be deployed at some point, And hopefully it's this offseason for Giants fans. It is this weird time of year where you're able to talk all sports, even though they're not all playing at the same time. And it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, Chris Alvarez, ABC seven in San Francisco. Chris, I always appreciate your time, my man. Thank you, man. Have a great rest of the week. Happy holidays. Thanks you too. Happy holidays. And always appreciate you taking the time to jump on the show. We'll take a break. We'll be back. Angelique Martinez, KC 24 CBS 47 here in town. She joins us next. You're listening to those a Gonzalez show. You're listening to Locally Owned 3. Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. and on Fridays, beginning at noon on 1430 ESB. And a good afternoon. Appreciate you for joining us. Appreciate you for tuning in and appreciate you for listening Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. and on Fridays, beginning at noon here on your local sports later, 1430 ESBN. Grateful to all of you. Let's get to it. Um, and uh, uh, what are we going to do? We're going to go quickly through all of the games over the weekend, and then we'll get to our home team headlines. Let's see how fast we could do this. We did this very quickly, uh, but last week um, we went through this and uh, we read them very, very quickly. Um, yesterday, both Gus and I picked the Raiders and Chargers game. We both win Raiders. I don't think any of us said plus 21. I, I don't think any of us said plus 21 on the, I don't think any of us said plus 40, 42. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, but we, we got it right. 63, 21, Thursday night football, the Raiders on top of the Chargers. The Minnesota Vikings uh, tomorrow, Saturday football, uh, the Minnesota Vikings take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, 10 a.m. kickoff on that one. The Bengals and the Raiders. I have the Vikings winning the game. Um, that is between Gus and I, but the Raider, uh, the Vikings and the Bengals, I think the Bengals have too much firepower. I think this is in Cincinnati. Um, give me Cincinnati for the win. The Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Indianapolis Colts, both 7-6. and six. It's a 1-30 game on Saturday. I have the... Uh, Steelers and the Colts. I, I'm intrigued by this. The Colts are one and a half point favorites. Uh, give me, uh, give me the Steelers in this game. The Denver uh, Broncos take on the Detroit Lions. Uh, I have the Lions winning this game. So does Gus. 
And then on Sunday, the New York Jets take on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I have the Dolphins um, winning in this one. The Houston Texans take on the Tennessee Titans. Give me the Titans on an upset in this one. Technically not an upset. They're four-point favorites coming into this game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Green Bay Packers. Both of these teams, six and seven. This game is in Green Bay. And because of that, give me the Packers. Uh, New York Giants take on the New Orleans Saints. We have not seen the Saints actually be the team we thought they could be, right? They were who we thought they were. No, no, they haven't been who we thought they were. Six and seven are the Saints. Saints are five and a half point favorites at home. Give me the Saints, but I don't know about that spread. The Atlanta Falcons, six and seven, take on the Carolina Panthers, who are one and 12. Uh, Falcons are three point favorites. The Falcons should win this game. The Cleveland Browns, 8-5, and five, play host to the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Browns with Joe Flacco. Yeah. Yeah, Joe signed a one-year contract. No, he signed the rest of the season contract. Give me the Browns over the Bears. The Kansas City Chiefs take on the New England Patriots. I think we're all going to take the Chiefs in that. The Rams, 6-7, and seven, host the 4-9 and nine Washington Commanders. The Rams, I think, win this game. The Buffalo Bills take on the Dallas Cowboys. The Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites. In reality, it seems that the Cowboys are .5 favorites because they give you a three-point favorite when you are at home. But still, give me the Bills in an upset. The Baltimore Ravens visit South Florida to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Baltimore is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Trevor Lawrence has been hurt. This is Sunday Night Football, and even though I'm going to take the Ravens. Give me the Ravens going in with a win to take on the San Francisco 49ers on Christmas Day. The Monday Night Football this week. By the way, the final major wager as well. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. Give me the Eagles in that game. But hey, all us Niner fans are rooted for a Seattle upset, right? Right? Aren't we? Give you a little more cushiony room. Between you and the Eagles, you know, a little stiff arm, two games. Everything's good. Everything's good. All right, we got through it uh, there. The Fresno State Bulldogs football. Yeah, still here. Uh, <laughs> a lot of you on your way to the airport, right? Some of you are already on your way to the airport. It's an early game. 245 kickoff. Uh, the Dogs take on the Aggies. Mikey Keene at quarterback. Tim Skipper, the interim. Nope, sorry. Sorry, I keep making a mistake. Acting head coach, Tim Skipper. Give me the Dogs. You know what? I'm just going to do it for today. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna go on that side. I'm just gonna be a homer. I'm just gonna pick the home team because I just can't see this team go four games in a row with an L. I just can't. I can't believe it. I can't see. I can't fathom the thought of Fresno State losing to both New Mexico schools in the same season. In football, obviously basketball is pretty dang good. Football. I just can't fathom that. Even if the even if the Aggies have had a good year, I'm going to take the dogs. Give me Fresno State with a final score of 31-27. That, that's where I'm going to land. 31-27 dogs on top of the Aggies. That's where I'm going to land it. Talk and finish with the Lakers and the Raiders next. You're listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show. 
This is Four touchdowns. Adams with the touchdown. I'm just saying. I'm intrigued on where Raider fans are today. All jokes aside, where are you guys today? Because, look, I was very adamant to say I like Antonio Pierce. He feels and seems like he embodies the true meaning behind the Raider way. It seems as though he is that guy. It seems as though he's going to be that guy. And after yesterday, the same is said about Brandon Staley, right? It was a career, a moment, a franchise, a coaching moment that defines you. It defined Brandon Staley, and that's why he no longer is a head coach in the NFL. And this defines Antonio Pierce. It's not how you react when you win. It's how you respond when you lose. They got absolutely... Thumped. They got no points a week ago at home after, after a bye. You got the Vikings. Yeah, great defense and Brian Flores, but you had a chance and you went out and threw a freaking zero on the board. But how do you respond? How do you bounce back? How do you Get up when you get knocked down. And Antonio Pierce says, I get up and I smack you in the face. The Raiders seem to be an embodiment of Antonio Pierce. And my goodness, they had it on Thursday night. The Lakers. The Lakers, well, they're kind of opposite. They have the San Antonio Spurs again. And the, the Lakers almost walked away with an L. They led by double digits going into the fourth quarter. They led with two minutes left to play by 10 points. And this is where you say, where is your championship DNA? Because if it weren't for some gifts that were handed by the San Antonio Spurs, the Lakers, the Lakers wouldn't have won and would have given the San Antonio Spurs their first win in 16 games. Now you hope LeBron is there and available. Now how much is Darvin Ham in this? Because it seems as though Laker fans are souring on Darvin Ham, saying, my man, get your hands out of your pocket, show some dang in motion, and get out there. 
The Lakers, the Lakers, I've told you, I don't think they're a championship team. I think they're one big piece away. I'm not sure. I don't believe it's Zach Levine. He's not going to help their defensive acumen. I don't know how much it is Zach Levine, but looking at it at its totality, this Laker team is good. It's still not great. This Laker team is a championship contending style team. They just haven't embodied it correctly just yet. All right, with that being said here, appreciate you guys for joining us all week long. Coming up next, it is Sportsline, the Bulldog Hour with Tony D. He takes you two hours to four, and then he will hand you off to Gnarly Charlie with Inside the Patch. Appreciate all of you for joining us and listening. I'll be back with you on Monday morning, 7 a.m. sharp. That's when I'll talk to you again. Appreciate you guys. You've been listening to the Jose Gonzalez Show, 1430 ESPN. Until next time.